I'm Dr. Nathaniel Chin, and you're listening to Dementia Matters, a podcast about Alzheimer's disease. Dementia Matters is a production of the Wisconsin Alzheimer's Disease Research Center. Our goal is to educate listeners on the latest news in Alzheimer's disease research and caregiver strategies. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Dementia Matters. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Fayron Epps. Dr. Epps is an assistant professor at Emory University's Nell Hodgson Woodruff School of Nursing with over 20 years of experience in nursing. She also serves as the principal investigator of the Faith Village Research Lab and is the founder of the ALTER program, a nurse-led dementia-friendly congregation program. Through her research, she develops evidence-based practices for promoting quality of life for African-Americans with dementia and their care partners, and works to connect these interventions with the individuals that need them most. As part of the WAI Annual Update Conference this past November, Dr. Epps gave a presentation on, quote, caregiving while Black. Dr. Epps, welcome to Dementia Matters. Thank you. Thank you, Nate, for having me. Um, I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. Your presentation title is both attention-grabbing and powerful. What impact did you hope to have with it? Well, well that was the impact, right? I wanted to, to catch um, catch the attention of all, right? And then also have the Black caregivers that run across it pause and say, let me see what this is about. This looks like this may be something for me without guessing, is it something for me? It's very bold. It is in your face that this is something. If you're a Black caregiver, you identify as a Black caregiver, this is for you. But then also it is um, bringing attention to all, from all races and ethnicities that, hey, what is it here? Why, Why do we need a course just for Black caregivers? So questions can be asked and we can respond and people can realize that how um, different communities may need different information, tailored information, so that they can relate to it and be able to apply it to their own lives. And I'll say as a clinician, I also was drawn to it, knowing that I engage with different communities and that it is important for me to be able to tailor these things in a culturally appropriate way. So not only was it catchy, of course, but I thought, it, I mean, as the clinician, I, I was drawn to it as well. So to help provide context, can you explain the Faith Village Research Lab and the ALTER program for our listeners? Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to try not to confuse our, our listener, listeners, our audience, but um, my Faith Village Research Lab is just the title of my lab. You know, some professionals, they name their lab after their last name, the Epps Lab or whatever lab. Well, I really wanted the name of my lab to speak to what we what we believe in. And we do believe in how important someone's faith is and the role it plays on this journey. And then we also believe that it takes a village. So it's not just the caregiver or the care partner, it's actually the community coming together. Um, and so that's why me and my team, we say we're going to just go with it again, be bold and have the Faith Village Research Lab. And part of the research lab, our goal, our mission is to provide um, and promote dementia awareness through education, research and service. 
Um, and so everything that we do falls under the lab and the altar program is one of the programs that we offer. And that's the one that partners specifically with faith communities. So it's a dementia outreach program where we partner with black faith communities, primarily black faith communities to make sure that they have the tools and the resources that they need so they can support their parishioners and the community at large that's affected with dementia. And not only those affected with dementia, we also do a lot of brain health awareness to reduce our risk of dementia. And then we also introduce research opportunities, how great it is for me to have these develop this trusting relationship with faith communities, which is the cornerstone of a lot of communities, but especially in the black community, and be able to introduce clinical trials and research opportunities to them as well. I love that. I love that you you didn't use your last name. And that's not that's not to say anything about those that do. Correct. Nothing to say. I just wanted to add a little little flavor. <laughs> yeah. Well then let me ask you when you went through your education and your training and you went through all this time to become a researcher, is this the field that you knew you were going to go into? Is this the idea that you thought you were going to have at the end of all of this? No, 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 Nate. Like, honestly, I didn't even think I was going to be a researcher. Like, I don't know. I know that wasn't one of my dreams <laughs> growing up. Right. And so, um, you know, with me being a nurse over 20 years, I just always thought I was going to be a nurse, be in management. And once I did go back to get my PhD, I want to let you know, Nate, I didn't know why I was doing it. I just did it. A friend asked me to do it. I, and I like school. So I was like, okay. So I had no, I had no clue why I was doing it. The impact that I could potentially have with a PhD. But as I was going out and when I did my dissertation, it was with family caregivers and I did it with um, the Latinx community, African-American community, and also the white community, hearing from their caregivers, I was like, wow, this is interesting, right? And someone asked me to do a postdoc, and I was like, what in the world, a postdoc? And, um, but it was such a great opportunity. Again, I think just my love for learning, I think that's where this all stemmed stem from, my love for learning. And then as I read more, I've seen how, dementia disproportionately impacted communities of color, which I wasn't aware of, even though as a, as a nurse and a PhD prepared nurse, I did not have a clue at all that this was happening. You know, I had no one, we didn't talk about it in our family. And so um, that's what made me like, wait, what's going on here and really dig into it. And even when I Nate, started doing this work and meeting with families and doing, um, start, I started off with qualitative research in my postdoc and learning for the families. I'm gonna be honest with you. I did not know where this was going, but I truly followed up like at the end of each study, whatever it's being recommended or whatever the caregivers say that they needed, I acted upon that. And I really reckon, I, I see myself as a community engaged researcher that provides culturally responsive programs because I really listen to what my research participants and those in the community say they need. And then I go, I go back and start working on it. I think it's great for anyone listening. That's wondering, Oh, what am I going to do with this training and this education or where am I heading? Cause clearly you're passionate and you found something that you love 
and and you're of course helping people so the nursing part of you is still helping people the researcher part of you is still doing it yeah i wouldn't change not one thing you recognizing a passion i want to let you know that is accurate because i'm really passionate um, about the work that I'm doing and making sure that, again, the communities, the the people have what they need. And even though I focus in the African-American Black community, that does not mean I don't help all. So I, I still collaborate with others, meet with others um, outside of the Black and African-American community to see how the resources that what I've developed can help other communities. Well, one of the key themes that I took away from your presentation is that Black African-American dementia caregivers have unique experiences and that these really need to be known and addressed in understanding that experience, but then also working to provide education and assistance. So can you share with some of our listeners then some of these unique experiences that you outlined at your presentation? Yeah, I think one of the biggest... um things that they experience, and this can be in all different settings, is being dismissed, having their concerns dismissed by not just healthcare providers, by by friends, co-workers, by family. That is one of the biggest things. And that's not a good feeling. You know, they know something is going on. They're trying to bring it to focus on the healthcare provider, bring it to the healthcare provider and the healthcare provider sharing that it, it's a scam or this is not true. No, it's menopause. Instead of just taking that time to run the additional test that's needed. A lot of caregivers also didn't know they weren't empowered with the information to bring to the, the their provider as well. So they're not exposed to a lot of a lot of information. So they may be showing up to the provider with just minimal information and don't don't know what to say or how to do the follow-up. And so those were experiences. And the other experience was so many caregivers um don't know. They just they don't know what to do just because if they're again the setting that they're in, um, they've never been exposed to certain resources and how to access them. And when I meet with them, like there's a lot of resources, but they don't know where to start. And they find that no one's there to help them. A lot of people want caregivers to come to them. And we're not recognizing, um, especially in certain communities that has historically marginalized communities, uh, communities that are underserved or under-resourced, they don't have the resources to come to you or to come and meet you where you are and they need you to meet them where they are. Um, so those are some examples. And those are such key examples though. And, and in your talk though, you explain how you got to that. And so for our listeners who ha didn't see your presentation, you know, how do you learn about these things? How do you, how do you compile these unique experiences? And then once you have them, as a researcher, you know, what do you do with that information? So we held, um, during the presentation, I shared the focus groups that we did. And so we held focus groups with a group of black caregivers to hear from them. So we had certain questions and we just wanted to basically hear their experiences um, during COVID-19, their experiences navigating the healthcare system, their experiences as a caregiver. And we listened. And so for those that are not a researcher, it's like, what is a focus group? You can almost just think a listening session. 
And so holding these listening sessions just to hear from them. And we used, um, how can I, what's another name for design thinking? <laughs> but uh, it's like we really wanted to hear from them and use that information to design the education. Yeah, some people refer to it as a u- user-centered design um, when you're developing certain programs. And so through this listening session, the information that we got, and they knew that we wanted upfront, we wanted to use their information to be able to inform an education program. So they knew that upfront. And then once we got the information, we shared it back with them to make sure we captured it correctly. And we also had a, and then we developed the education program and we had a couple of the caregivers go through it still to make sure that we accurately captured the um, issues and the concerns that they brought up. It sounds like an easy process, a focus group, but it, it is very tedious, very, and it's very difficult to get people to agree to a focus group, right? And so I, I appreciate hearing about the transparency. We're going to use this this meeting, this listening for this purpose. We're going to return this to you. But this is a really intensive, time-intensive process. Yes, I think um, starting from the focus groups all the way all the way until developing the course is very time intensive. A lot of people think, "Oh, that's nothing. Get a group of people together, y'all, y'all chat, um, and then you're just gonna put some things in a a, a, sh- a course shell and go with it." And that's not the case because you want to really make sure that it's responding to the need of the individuals of the community, your target population. You want to make sure it's meaningful. And when you start doing those things, that that takes a lot. It takes a lot of energy, not just from the senior researcher or the principal investigator, from the team. It takes a lot from the caregivers who are offering their time to be part of this. It's like we're in this together. I actually, it's, we were co- we co-produced this course, The Caregiving Wild Black. And that's how I present it. Like we're co-producing this. Y'all are in this with me. Yeah, they some of them did um, video recordings for the course. Uh, we also brought in black healthcare professionals. Um, some caregivers con- made contact for me of people that they know were really doing some great work in the field to help um, bring these individuals in to do the recording. And part of this course, a lot of people think it's just writing, right? Just narrative text. But we had interactive components and we had video components. And that's what takes up so much time. So anyone that wants to do this, please make sure you allowed enough allowed enough time to be able to um, really do it right. And it's when we were done, we still it still wasn't right because I still seen errors and I was still like, oh, I cannot believe this. But I know how much energy we put we put in it. And we are now currently, Nate, we're revising it um, based on some of the feedback from the first wave of caregiver participants that took that participated in. It's an iterative process, right? So you constantly are trying to improve. You know, so the, this care, the focus groups, this happened in April of, of 21, based on what I recall of your presentation. Yes. So can you describe for our audience, well, who composed the group? What were the, what were the individuals? You don't have to give specifics, but what were they like? And then what specifically was discussed in the focus group? Yeah. So 
All right. That's a that's a challenging question. You make me you want me to go way back over 12 months, right? I'm testing your your memory during yeah, this. So I, I can tell you this, Nate. All of them were black caregivers. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you that. So they were um they were black current or former caregivers within the last six months. Oh, okay. Um, what's the criteria? They were from four states, Wisconsin, Illinois, Georgia, and I believe we had a caregiver from North Carolina. Oh, look at my memory kicking in. <laughs> we did, and um, we had caregivers that were providing care for someone in the same geographic location, but we also had distant caregivers. Oh. So we were trying to look at everything we had. I don't, of course, we had more women than men, but we also, but we did have the voices, voices of male caregivers as well. Do you feel like, was the age demographic pretty spread out too? Or do you think most of them were in their 50s, 60s? I want to say, let's say late 40s and up. Yeah. Yeah. So a wide range. Yeah. We had a range. We had some that were um, children and some were were spouse. Right. And that's what I was getting at. Right. So the different role relationships, because it is different depending on that role. It is. And then um, most of them were educated. And so that's something I think that all researchers, we just got to do a better job. It's getting a, a more diverse sample of those, their educational background. Um, but we know highly educated tend to participate in research. So we got to work on that. That's something that I'm challenging myself on. Um, but most was educated, um, had some college. I want to say all had some college or above. I'm trying to think. There was something else that was kind of, di- oh, the class. Middle class, lower class. You can we, we you can see that it was diverse there. Even though we didn't collect that demographic data through the conversation. You can tell some that were actually their um, family was on Medicaid, where some had managed care. Um, we had some that was part of the the veterans healthcare system. So you know that lended to a very, how can I say, a very um, not a healthy discussion, just a lively. That's the word, a very lively discussion, especially when we start talking about payer sources and the type of care that's associated with the different payer sources. And to start hearing caregivers share their experiences and their stories, living here with this type of insurance or payer source, and then here, it was very interesting. Well, I mean, that's a diverse sample within Black African-American caregivers, which is a very important aspect because it's not just being a Black caregiver. There's obviously a full spectrum of people that fall within that category each with their own unique experience. Yes. So you were able to capture that. That's really impressive. And that lends to my next question is, well, what was discussed then in these focus groups? So what did you, what did you take away from them? So we start to, like I mentioned about the payer source, right? Um, What they experienced during COVID-19 was really, uh, really key. And then also, again, it goes back to the payer source, but we focus a lot on navigating the the healthcare system, their experiences navigating the healthcare system, the good and bad of telehealth. What are the resources that they had access to? What they didn't have access to? 
those were things. And one of the things, the main thing of my presentation was at the end of the day, what we got out was that they felt that many of them were falling between the cracks of the healthcare system. And that really stood out that the healthcare system is, is broken and it wasn't, it's not there for them to, to support them. And, you know, that stood out and that really touched me because me with my experience working in acute care and um, even long-term care, hearing that it's like, whoa, we need to do better. This is what they're saying. These are not the words I'm putting in their mouth. I didn't expect to hear that, but this, these are their words. And that's actually what I wanted to ask you. I want you to pretend now that you are a, a listener to your own presentation. I want you to remove your PhD and put on your nursing hat. And you hear this information. You hear the struggle and the falling through the cracks. What do you want clinicians to do with that information? What would you do as a person in the front line with that information? So as a nurse and for those clinicians that are, that are listening, you know, hearing this, I just want you, I would tell myself working on the floor, you know what, pause, take a minute and make sure that you're meeting the needs of your patient and, and their family, not just that caregiver, but their, their family. So many times we're so busy and I understand how staffing is and this and that, but sometimes we just need to pause to make sure that we here and we are listening to our patient and our caregiver and that we're trying our best to again meet their needs or respond to them so they can have the best quality of care for them to receive the support that they need and no matter what that person's background is um their their culture their faith background if they're from a minority racial ethnic group it, it, it should not matter to me. What should matter is that we're trying to make sure that they achieve the best outcomes that they can for their, for their condition. Well, I want to transition then to one of the, the, one of the products that came out of this important project of yours, this study, and that is this caregiver course, this module that I know you're editing now, but you do have a final product yes. that, that you're using. So can you share for our listeners, you know, what went into the course or, you know, what does it look like and how has it been used and, and what kind of feedback have you gotten? Yeah. So what went in the course? A lot of sweats, tears. <laughs> I have Nate laughing. But um, in addition to the sweat and the tears that went into the course, this course is set up. Um, it is all online. It is self-paced. And we divided it up into four modules. So our first module is just introduction, introducing what dementia is. Because there's some caregivers that are in this role. I had a call today. Um, I just need to learn more. I'm caring for my mom, but I don't even know what dementia is, right? And so in the introduction, it was talking about dementia, dementia in the Black community. And during this time, we had we talked about uh, COVID-19 in the Black community as well. So we took this an opportunity to discuss that and also to um, bring awareness around receiving vaccines. And so that was in the introduction. And then we had navigating the healthcare system as another module that had so many topics, but it was how to talk to your healthcare professional or your healthcare provider. Uh, we broke down the different... Um, units in a hospital 
Cause you know, in a high, we just, oh yeah, you get transferred to SNF, you're getting this, this, this ICU, and they don't have a clue. Many caregivers don't even know what that is. Um, so we broke that down. We also broke down the different professionals that they may interact with. What's the difference between your your case manager, um, physical therapist, occupational therapist? Uh, and what are some of those duties? We talked about hospice, palliative care. Those are just some examples. Then we did managing home life, which in how do you plan your day? And we had a video from a person living with dementia in the early stages, which was so great because she shared what she worked with her care team to put in place to manage her day. So actually hearing from someone living with dementia, what they like and what they needed um, was very key. We brought in a um, an attorney to talk about life planning. Again, that's part of managing your home life, right? Just getting prepared, getting things together. And then self-care, we took time to really dig into self-care. So we also had mental health awareness and um, under our self-care. And we know this is really important, especially in the Black community, where counseling is not sought after. Mental health is a, a, another taboo topic in, in addition to the dementia. And so we want to take time to make sure that they these caregivers know how to um be aware of tools that exist that they can use to assess their feelings. Um, and so they were getting this education, but they also was walking away with tools and resources that they can use after the course is done. And they can continue to use and share. We encourage them to share with other members of their family as well. Um, we provided a workbook because there was a lot of things that we talked about, we wanted them to download and we have to understand and recognize that everyone may not have the means to download and print. So we provided them a workbook that they can use and they can tear out of and start, you know, again, being able to, to use a glossary term that a glossary that they can keep and be able to use. And I had a caregiver call me up and she was in a crisis. And she said, the first thing I grabbed was my workbook. And I was like, wow, again, this is not something I expected. That wasn't an outcome. But, you know, knowing that she felt like she had something to grab that can just help her until she gets some additional assistance. You know, a lot of the caregivers provided testimony and many of them didn't think they needed an education that was just really tailored to them being a member of the Black community, African-American community. But once they got into it, they were like, wow. The disparities do exist. We do need this. You know, and again, that's what I wanted them to, to see. Many felt empowered. Uh, we had one care, caregiver to share. You know, they were receiving information from people that looked like them. And so I think that was valuable to the caregivers for them to say, you know, seeing someone look like me just really made it feel like I was at home. And when I spoke with the healthcare professionals that did the videos, I gave them instructions on, I didn't want them to be formal. So if y'all see some of my videos, y'all might be like, what? <laughs> but I didn't want them to be formal. I asked many of them to take off their white coat, right? Because there is such thing as a white coat syndrome and all. We don't, I didn't want none of that. And I wanted them just to talk, talk to me, talk to the caregivers out there. And I said, I want you to tell me what you would like to tell every black patient that comes to your office, but you cannot 
because you don't want to, someone to report you, right? You want to follow the policies. And, but now we're taking all of that off. We're not naming workplace or anything. And I just want you to talk to us. And Nate, I want to tell you, I learned and I, I was a nurse. I'm, I was in the midst of all of this, but you know, I learned so much about discharge planning. I learned um, about what the social worker is really there for. I learned how to communicate and navigate a doctor's appointment because they broke it down as it relates to this is how many minutes you have. This is, I'm coming in with my agenda and you have your agenda. We need to meet somewhere in the middle. And it's not that I'm being mean, but I've already looked at some of your labs and we need to cover this. And I know you have this, you know, and they just went through this to say, you know, again, it's not us being mean, but we see some pressing things on our end we need to address. So we do need you to come prepared and be able to share with us immediately what you have as well. So we can make these few minutes that we have together, make it worthwhile. I mean, just it sounds so powerful, Dr. Epps. And, and of course, I'm going to ask a question. I'm sure our listeners are, are thinking, well, can we get our hands on this module? Is this available to the public or is this just a part of your study? So right now, it is still part of the study. I have not yet. Uh, but, you know, I want to make sure once we open it up to the public that it is something that I, I have the evidence to show that, hey, this does work with caregivers. This increases their mastery, self-efficacy. We show, we did in our pilot scene how it had a significant in, um, improvement for role strain. Uh, I believe it was burden. And, and, and that's good. But I want to make sure that in a larger sample that we'll be doing in the spring, that it sh still shows those results. And then we'll be ready to 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 put it out there. So in the meantime, I would love them to contact me and I can add them to our, our list and they can be part of, they can co-produce this. That's what I say. My caregivers that are taking this course, you all are still co-producing it because I'm taking your feedback and going back in and making those changes. Well, we can certainly put your lab link on our website. So those that are listening can, can email you and contact Sounds you. Sounds good. I'm gonna ask you more of a philosophical question. Do you think the course will translate to other Black communities that you're not studying? You mentioned four states, but not all communities are the same, even if they are Black, African American. And then even beyond that, some of the experiences of racism, discrimination, and stress could be experienced by other communities of color. Do you feel like the program could actually benefit other communities besides African American? Yeah, so I'll start off with the African the first question. Well, um, if it can uh, help Black caregivers across the U.S. and um, this course is for caregivers anywhere. So it was informed by four states, but we tried our best and we brought in experts from diverse areas, um, and we tried to keep it general, um, so we can um, really be able to meet the needs of caregivers from across the U.S. and our caregivers who took the first wave of the course, they were from all over California, <laughs> Wisconsin, of course, Illinois, Texas, North Carolina, Virginia, New York. Um, of course, we're in Georgia, so we had a lot down south. So we really tried our best to get across the U.S. And I am really hoping that this course will serve as a model 
for other racial and ethnic groups that, you know, they can have some other education that can be tailored and that it's okay to specifically say that this course is for a particular group. And even if it's not racial and ethnic minority group, it can also be uh, for LGBTQ. Because So I'm actually, I can put that out there, Nate. Uh, we're actually in the midst of having conversations to develop a similar course for LGBTQ. Just having that, that speaks to, the, to their needs, I believe is really, really key. Um, I know there are some education modules that are out there for um, Latinx caregivers. So that's great. Um, but I'm just thinking about all the other groups. We're thinking about Native American uh, caregivers and other, because they have their own different culture and own different way of doing things. And I think it's just important for us to think about, to, to think about that. Well, then to end, my last question for you is something that came up during your presentation. What is FUBU and why is it important when we talk about community engagement? Yes. So FUBU um, is a clothing line. <laughs> Years ago, um, not too many people wear that, but it, it, but it stands for For Us, By Us. And if you notice, I mentioned earlier about being co-produced. Caregivers are co-producing this. Um, I also brought in Black healthcare professionals, Black persons living with dementia. And so, again, they contributed to the For Us, by us approach. So it was black people developing this course for black people. And that's very important. Um, even my other work with the altar program and work I do with the churches, that came from my advisory board. They said, this has to be a for us, by us. And so our advisory board is primarily made up of African-American individuals and they're, the things that they're doing is for their community because they did not have it. When they were on this journey, we did not have this. So we about to develop something that we needed so it can help out members of our community. And again, that's really important for um, those that are doing work in the community to have people at the table that are from the community to develop things for their community. Well, thank you for the community work that you're doing and for these studies. And I can't wait for you to start sharing this amazing module with the rest of us, but I guess we'll have to wait. Uh, but thank you for your time, Dr. Epps. And I certainly hope to have you back on the show in the future. Sounds good. Thank you, Nate. And thanks everyone that listened in. And I look forward to hearing from you all. Thank you for listening to Dementia Matters. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Or tell your smart speaker to play the Dementia Matters podcast. Please rate us on your favorite podcast app. It helps other people find our show and lets us know how we're doing. Dementia Matters is brought to you by the Wisconsin Alzheimer's Disease Research Center at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. It receives funding from private, university, state, and national sources, including a grant from the National Institutes on Aging for Alzheimer's Disease Research Centers. This episode of Dementia Matters was produced by Amy Lambright-Murphy and Kaylin Rowerdink and edited by Taylor Eberhardt. Our musical jingle is Cases to Rest by Blue Dot Sessions. To learn more about the Wisconsin Alzheimer's Disease Research Center, check out our website at adrc.wisc.edu. That's adrc.wisc.edu. 
and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have questions or comments, please email us at dementiamatters at medicine.wisc.edu. Thanks for listening.